Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the O'Melveny Podcast. Got a little bit of a different episode today, which I think is great. When we started this podcast, we wanted to give folks an idea about what it's like to work here. And we talk about our recruiting and, and a lot of different aspects of firm life. And I wanted to get a little bit more detailed and talk about a particular case. And it so happened this summer, we got a great result on a really impactful pro bono case in Arkansas involving reproductive rights that I think is really reflective of the pro bono work that we do at the firm, both in terms of its impact, but also in terms of the team that was assembled that included partners and associates and even summer associates that were involved um, in all aspects, including the trial. So I hope you enjoy the episode and stay tuned uh, for more to come. All right, welcome back to the O'Melveny Podcast. Here today with me in New York are uh, my partner, Leah Gadeski and Kelly Scavone. Kelly's an associate here in our New York office. Both Leah and Kelly were summer associates at the firm um, and have been in the New York office for their whole career. Welcome, Leah. Thank you. Welcome, Kelly. Hello. So tell us about the Little Rock Family Planning Services case. Leah, why don't I start with you? What is this case? So this is a case that attorneys at the ACL Reproductive Freedom Project asked O'Melveny to take the lead on. And we are representing clinics. There are basically three clinics currently in Arkansas that provide abortion care. Um, and we are representing all three of them. One is called Little Rock Family Planning, and then two Planned Parenthood facilities. And what we were asked to do was represent those three clinics in bringing a constitutional challenge to three recently enacted Arkansas statutes. And um, the first statute is a statute that bans abortions where a woman has received a Down syndrome diagnosis in connection with her pregnancy. The second is a requirement that only board-certified or board-eligible OBGYNs provide abortion care. And then the third law bans all abortions after 18 weeks. And the, that's earlier than the, the current cutoff in the state. And so this was a case that we filed in late June, and then we were on a rocket docket um, leading up to an evidentiary hearing for our temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction on July 22nd. And I want to talk about the details of the case, but just taking a step back. So you're a litigation partner, right? Yes. And what's your, what's your general practice? You're not um, doing reproductive rights cases all the time. What's no, your practice no. otherwise? Um, although I have been doing reproductive rights cases since I was a junior associate. Well, I want to talk about that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my, my practice is generally that of a general litigator. Um, I have a mix of securities cases, entertainment cases, insurance cases, really anything and everything uh, complex commercial litigation. And when did you start working on reproductive rights pro bono matters? As a second-year associate, I started working in this area um, with the with some attorneys at the ACLU's Reproductive Freedom Project and also attorneys from Planned Parenthood. O'Melveny has a really long relationship with those organizations, um, and so we're lucky to be able to partner with them on a lot of cases. And so as I've grown up at the firm, I've sort of been focusing more and more of my pro bono practice on those cases, and now um, it's been really great to have the, the honor of 
these organizations trusting O'Melveny to serve as lead counsel. Now, this is a spoiler alert, but this case ended up really well for our client. You've had some other wins, though, too, right? Yes, we've had we've had some other wins. Um, we had another case with the ACLU at the end of last year, which was a challenge in Kentucky. Um, basically, there, there was a statute that had um, outlawed or would have effectively outlawed all second trimester abortion care. And so we partnered with the ACLU on that case, and we, we did a full-blown discovery record that culminated in a, a one-week bench trial. And we got a favorable result earlier this year in the Kentucky case. And I should add that we've had great results, um, but the fight is not over because there are now appeals pending in both cases. The Kentucky case is going up to the Sixth Circuit. And then this case, Little Rock Family Planning, the state has already filed an appeal to the Eighth Circuit. Kelly, when did you start getting involved? In reproductive rights cases? Yeah. Um, This was actually my first. I actually, um, I was a first-year associate at the firm, and then I left to clerk and came back. And basically right when I came back, I heard Leah was doing these cases. I'm sure I knew you were doing them before, but um, it was drawn to my attention, and I begged her to put me on with them. Um, you know, because I, I really, this issue is important to me, but also I really wanted to get more experience, maybe stand up in court, which I got to do, um, which was awesome. Um, but this was my first one. And um, what's your practice when you're not doing reproductive rights cases? Very similar general practice, which I really enjoy. Um, some securities, some white collar, um, a mortgage-related KETAM, which is like a civil fraud case, um, general commercial litigation. So what was the team on this case? We had a great team. Um, We should give a shout-out to a mid-level associate in our Century City office, Taylor Simeone, who actually started in our New York office. Um, And Taylor worked with me on the Kentucky case I mentioned earlier and um, then also was on this case. And so she was certainly a key member of the team. And then we also had um, a counsel, Kendall Turner, from our D.C. office, who's a member of our appellate practice. And Kendall was critical to the team because she was taking the lead on endless briefing. And um, Alan, you can't see this right now, but Alan is sitting with the, I think, almost 200-page opinion that the judge ultimately issued. And that is the product of many hundreds of pages of briefing that was submitted during that one-month period. Um, And at one point, Kendall had to put together a reply brief to a 100-page opposition in 24 hours um, because that was our briefing schedule. So, And then the the other critical thing I want to mention is the team of summer associates we had. We had um, two or three summer associates in New York who helped on the case. We had um, two summers in D.C. who helped on the case. And then we had three more in our Century City office. And quite honestly, given the briefing schedule that we were faced with, we never could have filed our papers without our army of summer associates because, um, quite frankly, it was just an all-hands-on-deck situation, and they were critical to the team. And we're actually going to hear from one of those summer associates in a few minutes here. So, Kelly, when this case came in and you started working on it, I know for a fact that you were busy on other cases as well. Talk a little bit about the experience that you did get and and the work that you were doing on this case. Yeah, so um, pro bono cases generally at the firm, Melbourne is so great about encouraging associates to work on them, are great opportunities to work on brief writing um, and working with witnesses, witness interviews um, that maybe you don't always get on some of your billable cases. Sometimes you do. Um, But 
first it was a lot of brief writing. We also wrote a ton of declarations from our fact and expert witnesses, which was also a great experience. Um, and we wrote, I feel like, many, many briefs in this case. Um, I can't remember how many. But the really awesome thing about this case was that because it was essentially a one-day trial, um, Leah was great about giving us opportunities to put on witnesses. So I ended up doing my first direct in, in court, um, and I ended up doing the direct of our expert witness, who was kind of our numbers guy. Um, he analyzed the burden that would befall the women of Arkansas if the OBGYN requirement, which is one of the three laws that Leah mentioned earlier, if that one were to go into effect, because essentially that law would lead to, to no abortion almost in Arkansas. Um, and so he looked at the capacity and the demand um, of that law if it were to go into effect. So I got to put him on in court, which was great. And Taylor um, did, I think, two directs or and two crosses and would be one direct. But she, she also two crosses and a direct, yeah. Yeah. So what was the trial experience like? You guys went down to Arkansas, and um, what was that like? Well, first we had to get there, <laughs> which I have to say was quite a challenge because it turns out there are no direct flights from New York, and getting our entire team to Arkansas on time proved to be quite a challenge with like comedic travel experiences where both Kendall and I were once diverted to O'Hare at the same time, um, but we did eventually get there um, about four days out from the hearing. Yeah, I think, Leah, you were in O'Hare for 24, 36 hours? Yeah, almost 48 hours, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, The luxury of work travel. Yes, yes. Um, So I think I was in Arkansas for six days. Uh, I don't think I... I didn't really leave the hotel that much. Um, But so we got there, and then we immediately were doing witness prep. Because it was such a truncated schedule that we had to really hit the ground running as soon as we got there. So... You know, I was working with my witness, but also with some of our other fact witnesses who needed a little bit more help. You know, they never testified before. We had doctors um, who were great and a nurse who was awesome. But, you know, it's hard to prepare. And, you know, you don't realize how much work goes into it until you really until you really do it. Um, and I had some trial experiences as a paralegal, but this was a whole nother ball game, just given the, the short time frame. And... It was great. I mean, I learned so much from Leah, watching her prep, cross, direct, argue. Yeah, we had, it was really like a well-oiled machine in the sense that we had three days of just continuous witness prep. And so we were rotating in and out, probably our six witnesses, and taking turns sort of running through the directs and preparing them for cross-examination and basically doing mock cross-examinations. And so since we only had a few days, it was really just back-to-back prep sessions. And that's what made having our summer associate team there as well so important because we needed to be able to adjust things on the fly and react to papers that were being filed in the middle of our witness prep sessions. And so it it was really a situation where we needed everyone. At what point during the trial, or maybe in the lead-up to the trial, did you think, this is going well, and we might win this? (laughs) (laughs) I think, for me, it was definitely watching our witnesses during the hearing, and seeing the way that the evidence was coming in, and and being happy about that, because you just never know how the hearing's going to go, no matter how much you prepare, until it's it's live and you're there and it's happening. Um, and as Kelly mentioned, we definitely had some people um, who was their first time testifying, and that's a lot of pressure. So for me, it was um, sitting there in court, and as plaintiffs, we got to put on our case first. We had the burden. 
Um, and so there was definitely, um, we felt good watching, you know, every, every one of our witnesses tick through their testimony. Yeah. Kelly, you spent a lot of time in court during your clerkship, and you've had other cases that have gone to trial. How did it feel sort of being the one on your feet actually delivering? It was terrifying. <laughs> um, it was really scary, but, um, you know, preparation is key, obviously, which sounds cliche, but it's so true. I mean, you know, thankfully I had the expert witness, and he was awesome. Um, but you just have to run it over and over and over again. And then, you know, once you get up there, it's it's easy. It's just, you know, it's still scary walking up there for sure. But I think if you're prepared, it makes such a difference. Um, cross is a little different, though. I think that that's my next hurdle. It's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly had sort of a pseudo-cross experience because she did the direct examination of our expert during our case in chief. And then um, we had to recall him during rebuttal. And so that was sort of an experience of the whole thing wasn't necessarily planned ahead of time. Um, and we had to react to things that the other side had tried to establish during cross. Um, and so Kelly was huddled with our expert in sort of the, the war room adjacent to the courtroom, um, piecing together the rebuttal testimony so that we could put that on at the end of the night, which is definitely more of a experience similar to cross-examination. Yeah, I, I should say it was it was a lot of fun. It really was. I mean, it's one of those things where it, as soon as it's over, you're like, wow, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But while it's happening, it, it's a little scary. But Did you take a step yeah. back ever and think, this is a lot of work, it's a great experience, but we're really doing something super important here too yeah I, th I think definitely during the trial but also when we were doing the preparation just talking to the doctors and the nurses um about their their careers i mean we had people who were flying in from southern california there's another guy who didn't testify but who flies in from seattle and again little rock is not easy to get to um and these people really put their careers and their lives aside to to help these people and it it was a lot at stake, so it was definitely even even scarier, but so important. I think that that was really a great feeling. So, All right, well, you guys both mentioned our summer associates and what great work <clears throat> they did on the case. And I wanted to bring in at least one of them, Lauren Casale, who's uh, a student at Fordham here in New York, and we're going to call her. This is the first time we've ever actually called someone live on the podcast. <laughs> See how it goes. Hi, Alan. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, you're on the podcast. Hi, Lauren. Oh, <laughs> Hi. We're talking about the case, and I wanted to know, I wanted to hear from you how your experience was working on uh, on this important case. Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I was assigned the Arkansas case during my first day at Albany as my pro bono assignment for the summer. And I think overall we had two summers in New York, two summers in D.C., and two summers in Central City working on it throughout the summer. So it's cool to work across offices with different people. Um, I definitely didn't expect going into the summer to be working on a case that was, you know, in the news and especially a pro bono case where we got to actually attend the hearing and help out on the ground. What was it like uh, doing trial prep in Arkansas? It was great. So um, the other summer and I from New York got to Arkansas on Saturday morning and stayed there a third Tuesday. So basically as soon as we got there, um, we started working on different things for hearing prep. So we were doing 
um, research on different witnesses and looking into different legal issues that um, we were, the team was anticipating might come up. We were also helping out with you know other smaller tasks like assembling the binders and getting things together to actually help out during the hearing. Um, so we were pretty much working nonstop during those three days um, leading up to it and the actual day of the hearing. And then it was a really cool and surreal experience being at the hearing and seeing all the witnesses that we've been talking to on the phone throughout the summer and listening in on the conversations, the prep sessions, um, actually go on the stand and start talking in court. And what did you take away from being in the courtroom? Anything in particular that um, stood out to you? As- I mean, I, it was very interesting to me to see I mean, obviously, we were preparing for it all summer, and I mean, if anything, I thought, you know, our side was very over-prepared, which was great to see just how much effort went into it and how much it paid off in the end. You know, we were prepared for so many different situations or questions that might come up that didn't really come up, but just seeing all the, um, I guess, foresight that went into it from Leah and the rest of the team, thinking about anything that could have came up, and I think we were just really over-preparing. It was really interesting for me to see that versus, um, I guess, other experiences I had had in different courtrooms. Well, since I have you, I got to ask, how was your summer generally, and how was it balancing pro bono work with your other billable work? My summer was great. So that was my big pro bono assignment for the summer, which definitely took up a lot of time. Um, but I also got to work on a lot of different billable projects that were really interesting. I mostly focused on litigation during the summer, um, but definitely saw a wide variety of cases. I did um, some different commercial disputes. I did white collar assignments. I did a lot of some entertainment type cases. So I did a lot of different things, which I really appreciated. And I mean, I definitely think what stood out to me compared to my friends and other people that I talked to um, at different firms was how much substantive work we were doing over the summer. I mean, of course, we had a lot of fun, too, with some summer program we'll have, but we also did a ton of actual work that I thought was representative of what we'll be doing when we come back. And if you if you were speaking to prospective summers, considering, you know, summer programs, what, what advice would you give them? I mean, I think a lot, at least when I was going through the recruiting process, I felt like a lot of firms focus on more of the social aspect of it, which... I don't think it's that different from firm to firm. So I think talking to people who either just summered somewhere or or um, who are a junior associate is probably the most helpful thing, just to hear about projects they worked on during the summer and how that compares to what they were doing as first and second years for junior associates. That was something that helped me last year when I was trying to differentiate between places. All right, that's excellent. And Lauren, you did such a great job. I know you're in your on your third year, but if you could start back here at the firm like tomorrow we take it um but lauren is love that. <laughs> lauren is starting as a first year next year and we can't wait to have her back so thank you lauren thank you thank you talk to you soon okay so you finish the trial and then what happens so what happened is the trial was on july 22nd and um the laws were set to take effect on the 23rd. and Or the 24th. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And so we had a, a little Monday. bit of a nail-biter yeah. um, the next day waiting to see what the judge was going to do because we didn't really have... Um, she wasn't kind of clear on, on what was going to happen next. Um, and so 
she issued her decision uh, right before midnight central time. Um, so just before one o'clock in the morning here, and um, you know, it was just explosion of emails from our whole group, the group at O'Melveny, and we had great local counsel on the ground in Arkansas, and then we also had, of course, the Planned Parenthood and ACLU lawyers, and it was just massive celebration. Um, we were just so excited, and what the judge did is she ended up issuing a TRO um, for 14 days and gave the state an opportunity to ask for more discovery and a second hearing. Um, which they did, and led to more brief writing um, on an extremely condensed schedule. And so we we fought back those two requests successfully and convinced the judge that there was no need for further discovery or um, another hearing. And then on the day that the the TRO was set to lift, um, she then issued this um, massive and thorough uh, decision giving us the, the preliminary injunction. And Leah's not exaggerating. It's a good inch and a half thick <laughs> of legal analysis, um, basically adopting all of our arguments. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much, yeah. Yeah. So um, where does that leave the, um, the issue? You mentioned that there's appeals. Um, what's next for us? So the state filed their notice of appeal um, within minutes of the preliminary injunction order coming through. And so now we are... Um, headed to the Eighth Circuit, and I think we entered our appearances today, actually, and, um, you know, now we we turn things over to Kendall, our appellate specialist, um, to take the lead in uh, working our way through the Eighth Circuit. So we know we have um, another challenge ahead of us, but we're feeling um, optimistic. We certainly did our best in terms of developing the factual record that we know the Eighth Circuit's going to be looking for on appeal. And Kendall may be arguing the yeah, appeal. Yeah, right she's now. going to argue the appeal. Yeah. So, um, Kelly, in thinking about your pro bono practice, um, where does the, you think this leaves you in terms of wanting to do, you know, additional pro bono work in this area? And, and what does it say to you about sort of the opportunities that, um, that, that pro bono work provides? I think about... An hour after the hearing, I ran to Leah and I said, let's do another one. <laughs> <laughs> and we will. That's the great part. We will. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was an incredible experience, um, especially just having gotten back to the firm six months or something like that before I started on this case. Um, it was it was awesome. Love to do more. I think we may have more on this case, depending on what happens um, in the Eighth Circuit. So maybe some discovery. We'll see. But I think... Pro bono, it just has op- amazing opportunities, whether it be brief writing, stand-up experience, depositions, um, just building skills, I think, is really helpful. Um, and the firm is so great about encouraging people to work on pro bono, also seek out different kinds of pro bono cases. Maybe there's an issue that you're passionate about, and maybe you can find a partner who also shares that interest. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunities um, for pro bono experience. And if somebody wants to read this massive order (laughs) where would they find it (laughs) well it's on the docket um but there's been so much press coverage of the case that if you were to um google the case there's a lot of um news articles linking um the the media coverage of the decision and the preliminary injunction to the actual decision 
And how is it working with the um, the ACLU lawyers, the Planned Parenthood lawyers? Wonderful. We ha- like um, we we really have been developing a long term relationship with them, and I think that was actually one of my favorite parts of um, the time we spent in Arkansas before the hearing. We were just um, truly functioning as one team, and it wasn't as though we had you know a law firm and two different organizations. It was really just one team, um, fully integrated, and um, we're looking forward to continuing working with them on this and other cases all right well thank you both this has been great and we look forward to hearing about your next adventure yes (laughs) congratulations thank Thank you. you